You're listening to a podcast from 702. 702. Masterclass. Our masterclass for today is on market trading. And I'm thinking to myself, because I've listened to Wayne McCurry on Bruce Woodfield's show, The Money Show, many a time. And I want to preface by saying, Wayne, and welcome to the show, please give us the 101 version, ne? When we have this conversation, <laughs> the basics, like lower grade. If there's a grade lower than lower, <laughs> basement grade level. Because nah, I, th- I, got you. I think so many of us think we have an understanding when conversations happen around the markets. But there's so many things that we don't realize actually do directly affect us. So when, for example, you tune in and certain conversations are happening around the markets, a person might say, that doesn't affect me, and they move on with their lives. Or they'll say, the rand to dollar exchange doesn't affect me because me, I'm not going to America. So I am really hoping for this masterclass the big takeaway for all of us is why it is important that we understand markets trading. Yes, I think so as well. And thank you very much for the invite. Look, to be honest, investments is not that complex. It's got a lot to do with humans and how we react and how we behave and our emotions, good and bad. It's got a lot to do with understanding truly basic principles As you said in your introduction, it affects all of us every single day. South Africa is part of the global economic community for better or for worse. What happens on markets affects our wealth, our pensions, the prices of everything, because whatever we buy in South Africa just about is related to the global price. So it does affect us every single day. But as you also, as you said in your introduction, There is actually only Investments 101. Investments Mm. is not a complicated subject at all. A lot of investment people like to make it sound complicated because then it makes them clever. But also, for the third time, to come back to your uh, introduction, there is no such thing as an expert in investments. There there is not a boffin. There's not someone who knows everything. Effectively, what you're trying to do is guess the future. And I use the word guess intentionally. You're trying to say, what do I think is going to happen into the future? How will the markets react to certain scenarios, to certain um, ideas? It's all about the future. That's, that's essentially what investments is. And, of course, you know as well as anyone else knows, it is impossible to predict the future. So even even if you're a good investment manager, yes. and I'm not for a moment saying that I'm a good one, you're only going to get 60% right. You know, you're not going to get 100% right. That, that is absolutely impossible to do in investment. So investments, by and large, is boils down to common sense. Really. You know, what are the most likely outcomes and how will the market react to those likely, likely outcomes? So, you know, once again, just to emphasize Investments actually is 101. The whole mm. thing is 101. It, it, it's more an application, really, of, of common sense and general knowledge more so than it's not, it's not a science. So then let me ask that we take a step back. 
Sure. When we say markets, what are we referring to? Because I think generally most South Africans have an understanding when we say investment, even though there are many South Africans yes. who don't apply it correctly. For example, some people um, look at a car as an investment, but it depends if you're operating at the level of a Taz or a vintage, you know, 1940s Ferrari. Yeah. It, it, yeah, you know, I so, you yes. So, um, when we talk markets, what exactly yes. are you referring to? Because when I know my cat, I'm looking for my guinea and a t shirt and a yes. key ring. Now, I got you. <laughs> Look, we're talking essentially in the South African context about, about three markets, talking about the share market. Now, the share market is it's a market like any other market. There's buyers and there's sellers. Mm. What a share is, is it's, it's something that you own that entitles you to a percentage of the company's profits. Mm. So you own a share in Fushini or you own a share in ShopRite. If ShopRite does well, you will get your share of the profits and the dividends. Mm. And ultimately, the profitability of the company determines what the share price is. So that's the first market we're talking about is the share market. The market is the foreign exchange market, which is the RAND. You know, where's the RAND trading at? As we all know, the price of petrol is directly determined by oil and the RAND. And all of our food is determined by the global price of that particular, whether it's millies or whether it's sugar, the global price of that multiplied by what's happening with the RAND. And, and, and well, as I said earlier on, essentially every single thing in South Africa is priced on the international market, taking into account the RAND. So when the RAND weakens, you pay more, inflation goes up. When the RAND strength you pay less, inflation goes down. So I'm, so I'm, I'm glad you're touching on, on that then. So yes. just to reiterate, it is relevant you whether yes. you're going abroad or not completely, how the rand is performing because there are yes. so many people who are like dollar euro ponto it means nothing to me i'm yeah. not going anywhere but it actually no. affects every single person so what i'd like to do i know yeah, you yeah. need to go to your third point and we'll pick it up as soon as we come back from this break 702 masterclass our masterclass for today, we are talking about market trading and with, we're with Wayne McCurry from Wealth and Investments at FNB. So Wayne, let's jump straight into where we picked off. You were going into the third types of markets. Yes. The third market is, let's call it the interest rate market. What, what we pay on our mortgage bond, what we pay on our car installment, what we pay on our credit card etc. That's also an international interest rate. In other words, if other countries' interest rates are going up, our interest rate goes up as well. And, and because in South Africa, all of our debt is actually linked to the, the current interest rate, in other words, your overdraft rate, it's very important for all of us. So if America ups, increases interest rates as they have, We've got to increase ours as well. Otherwise, the RAND's going to collapse and it'll lead to more inflation. So all, all of these markets, no matter where you are, what you're doing, we're all affected by what these markets done do, and maybe even more so than other countries because a very large percentage 
of our economy actually comes from overseas. We are a big importer. We are a big exporter. You know, we are a relatively small economy in the global sense. You know, in 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 a global perspective, that our economy is actually surprisingly enough open. So. What happens overseas directly affects us every day. What the share market does, what the interest rate market does, and obviously what the RAND exchange rate does affects us literally every single day. That's why we wait in, with bated breath sometimes for mm. the petrol price announcement because that's directly the RAND and the oil price. So, okay, there's a couple of things that I think just need us to pause so that we get an understanding of ex- or some sure. clarity. So when you touched on the part of interest rates abroad going up and us having to also go up to avoid inflation, can you explain exactly what that means? Yeah. Look, what happens is, in, well, let's just take what's happened in the last year. Specifically in America, well, in the rest of the world, Inflation has gone from zero to 8%. Mm. Now, we're very lucky here in South Africa, surprisingly enough, because, yeah, inflation went up from 4 to 7%, even though it's terrible and it affects all of us. That's better than what's happened overseas. Now, the moment inflation goes up, it's quite simple. You've got to get inflation down. Ultimately, inflation is the worst enemy of all. And the way you... Get inflation down is you increase interest rates so people spend less. And if people spend less, inflation will ultimately fall. So inflation is controlled by interest rates everywhere in the whole world. Now, if we had to decide we're not going to actually try and combat this inflation and we don't increase interest rates, the RAND will weaken because people would say, why must I invest in the RAND? where I can get 10% interest rates, for example. Mm. In other countries, their interest rates have gone up to 20%. I'm going there. So then the RAND weakens, and then we get more inflation. And ultimately, you end up with like what's happening in Turkey now. They have not increased interest rates in, in, you know, in, in line with the rest of the world. And they got 500% inflation. Now imagine how devastating that would be for the economy. Yes. So all of this ties together. In other words, everything actually works together in an open global uh, economy and, and, and uh, 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 a country like South Africa where our economy is so exposed to the rest of the world. I mean, we import a very, very high percentage of all of the stuff that we consume uh, a lot of our exports, unfortunately, are only really commodities, you know, coal, uh, <clears throat> iron ore, etc. And the rest of the stuff we actually import. So it's what, what the RAND does directly affects our inflation in South Africa. That's why our reserve bank, even if our economy is doing badly sometimes, have got to increase interest rates. Because if you don't, Inflation will go up even more and more, and the average person will, in fact, become poorer because of inflation. And I think that's an important lesson to understand that ultimately inflation is the worst. It doesn't mm. matter high interest rates are bad sometimes, and everyone feels the pinch with high interest rates. But you can look at many, many countries, as I spoke about Turkey right now, but Argentina, Zimbabwe, 
many, many countries that didn't increase interest rates ended up with massive, massive inflation and ultimately their currency becoming effectively worthless. So inflation is truly the biggest enemy. Mm. Okay, so another thing that you mentioned just related to the markets um, is the relationship between the price of oil and petrol and diesel. Yes. Well, let me, let me, a, a lot, there, there's a lot of mythology about oil and price and that. What happened very quick lesson, what happened in the, in the 1960s, the, the then apartheid government went to the oil companies and said, we've got to build oil refineries. We cannot rely on just importing petrol and diesel. We've got to build our own refineries. So the oil company said, fine. You've got to guarantee us a price. You must give us a price guarantee. Otherwise, we're not going to invest the capital. Mm-hmm. So the price guarantee was we will pay. The country's petrol price will be determined relative to taking into account what it would cost to buy petrol or diesel from a refinery overseas. And that's what's called this in-bonded landed cost. But don't worry about the number, the, the word. It just means that. Our price in South Africa is determined by the price of buying. It's actually from Singapore, surprisingly enough, from buying diesel or, or, or petrol directly from Singapore. And then when it lands in South Africa, you add on the cost of transportation. You add on all the taxes. You add on the pipeline levy. You add on the profits for the garage person, the, the garage pumping the petrol. So all of that adds up to about, I think it's about 45% of what we pay at the pump is all these extra costs. 55% mm. is the same cost of what it would cost South Africa to import um, finished product or finished diesel and finished petrol. Uh, and that's the way it's worked out. And, that, and we still are subject to this in-bonded landed cost IBLC. And that's why each month we get told what the petrol price is. There's not, it's not actually determined by market movements. So if the rand weakens, we pay more. Yes, yes. So let me now, um, before we, we come back to things that drive the market up or down, we are now sitting at stage six load shedding. The yes. average South African is now freaking out at the schedule trying to wangle around not having power. But there's the other element that it can affect the market. So how can something like load shedding and us being on stage six before we delve into the many things that affect the markets, affect the market? Yeah, look, it's obviously negative. There's no no question around that. But having said that, you know, South Africans are very resilient – You'll find the average company, the average small business, the, the, the average, even the average big business has made a plan over the last 15 years to cope with this. You know, because it's been 15, 16 years now, maybe not at this intensity, but it definitely has had an effect on every company and every company's got a generator or an inverter or, or big generators or they change their scheduling the mines, they change the smelters, change how they work. So the country does cope with certainly 
probably up to stage four. Stage six is a disaster. You, you, you can't make enough provisions for stage six, and we hope it doesn't last long. But I have to, I have to just say, though, on, on, on what you just said now, which is South Africans are resilient. It's the same as um, people who say black women are so you're such a strong young black woman. And I'm like, we're tired of being strong. We're tired of be, having I, I to be resilient. Like, we're I, was, actually, we're actually, I, I actually think it's reducing you, our overall capacity. <laughs> No, I think I was, I was going to come to that. I think there's a huge amount of resilience fatigue in South Africa now. Yes. <laughs> because you can only be resilient for so long. But, but yes, I mean, now talking about the markets directly, um, our share market's quite unusual. You know, even though it's called the South African share market, only about 20% of it actually relates directly to the South African economy. The rest oh. are global companies. Yeah. The others, the, the other parts are global companies that happen to be listed on our stock market, but their interests lie overseas. Mm. And the mining company, even though the mining companies might have mines in South Africa, ultimately the valuation of the mine is determined by what they own. You know, with how rich is the mine? And how much, you know, what's the future value of the mine's body, how much gold has it got in the ground, how much platinum has it got in the ground. Not so much about how it how much it produces today. So and I often get this question. You know the president's going to resign. Why didn't the market collapse? And and, and that's one of the reasons is that a, a relatively small part of our share market actually relates directly to South Africa. So our market is actually Luckily enough, a little bit protected from the negative effects of load shedding. But load shedding, there is light at the end of the tunnel. It might take two or three years, but with the government essentially saying we can't do it and allowing private sector participants to now generate an enormous amount of electricity, 100 megawatts, you know, essentially per license, is going to be, and there is, Massive investment happening right now into alternative power. And in two years' time, three years' time, Eskom will only be providing 60% of the power. The private sector will be providing the other 40%. And then there actually will be an end of load shedding. So it's not as though this is just going to carry on for the rest of our lives. There actually is a way out of this load shedding, and it's being provided by the private sector after the government essentially gave up and said we can't get this right and handed out all of these uh, uh, hand or, or made it possible for the private sector to start generating a huge amount of electricity by themselves. All right, we're going to pick this up when we come back from Eyewitness News headlines. And um, I'm sure some of you, so many of you have got uh, many questions for Wayne. 0727021702 is the WhatsApp line. Or give us a call, 011 883 to 6 p.m. 7.02. We continue with our masterclass and we are with Wayne McCurry from the Wealth and Investments Department at First National Bank. And Wayne is chatting to us about markets trading. Now, Wayne, I have to read you a WhatsApp that, oh man, the, the, let me read you this WhatsApp. And the WhatsApp says, hi, 702 team. I know this masterclass was, was 101. 
I should have started at class 80 because I keep on getting lost. It feels like the English has new words I've never heard. (laughs) (laughs) So, and I think that is the reality for so many people, Wayne, is that um, maybe also someone like myself takes for granted that certain words that I already understand and know the meaning of, um, everybody knows and understands. So for the purposes of going forward, and I do, I do get it. It's easy to get confused because even I myself am confused just in some of the concepts and how exactly they work. Um, but, um, uh, hopefully in the remainder of this hour, the lines will be open. O double one double eight three oh seven oh two and the WhatsApp line O seven two seven oh two one seven oh two. You can get your questions to Wayne, especially if you've got a point of clarity or you want to really get an understanding of a specific situation and maybe how the change in the markets affects you. So we were now getting to the part where you've explained that the South African market actually is 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 not um, hugely affected by things that just happen here. So when politically things are said like you know if Cyril steps down uh, the economy is just going to fall apart you are saying that is inaccurate correct Uh, our market won't fall apart now just just on that one point you know leaders come and go politicians come and go as long as the overall let's call it the way the country has been run Now, from an economic perspective, from a, let's call it the big picture economically, the government actually hasn't changed course since 1994. They've actually adopted a very consistent policy since 1994, even under the Zuma government, with all the corruption and everything that went on. We didn't become a communist country. We didn't. The overall, in other words, the Department of Finance wasn't really captured. And overall, we stuck to more or less the same path that we've been going on since 1994. I mean, obviously, there's been many, many problems along the way. But the point I want to make here is that as long as we stick, as long as the government, as long as we as the country stick to more or less the same economic path, exactly things like what's happening now or, or political issues like what's happening now, it'll affect the market shorter term. The RAND will weaken the the South African shares on the stock market will will fall, etc. But as long as the government doesn't change path, by and large, it doesn't really affect markets over the longer term. And a very good example is there under ex President Zuma when he replaced the finance minister with the weekend special. The market's absolutely <laughs> Sorry, I almost forgot about that. <laughs> well, We've been through so much as a country that I even forgot about that. But that's the point. Is that at the time it was catastrophic and the country was coming to an end and the walls were collapsing around us. Now, literally, you can't even remember it. Yes. And that's the whole point is that by and large, as long as you don't change the overall path that you're on, any political happenings, any negative political events have a short-term effect, but they won't have a long-term effect on markets. Markets are affected by how well the economy is doing over the longer term, what interest rates are, whether they stay high or whether they fall, etc. 
and by what the RAND does. That ultimately drives the market and very specifically for South Africa because, as I mentioned, we're a big exporter of iron ore, of coal. It's actually what happens in China is more important to our share market than what's happening in, in, in South Africa. So it's it's actually quite good news for our share market that China is at long last relaxing their COVID policy because their economy is actually slowing down very, very quickly mm. because of this COVID policy. And then they'll buy less of what we sell as a country. Mm. So this is actually, it's actually more important to us quite frankly, what happens in China than what happens domestically, as long as the government in charge or the people in charge of the government don't change the overall direction of how our economy is run, for want of a better word. I mean, obviously, and and maybe this is the most important point. Markets are driven, the share market, the rand exchange rate, everything is driven about what is going to happen or, or what may happen in two years' time. In other words, markets markets is a very good saying in investments that markets mark on the drumbeats of tomorrow. In other words, how much profit is the country going to make tomorrow? Mm. What's the price of what we sell? What's the price going to be next year? It's not actually today's events, but we as humans, are affected by daily events. We're affected by today's events. We're affected by, will the state president resign? We're now in stage six, and some of these daily events affect us more than they affect the markets because the markets look forward. They say, I know we've got no electricity today, but you know, maybe in two years' time we will have electricity and the market will take the future event into account far more so than the local event. We as humans... Mm are driven by our emotions on the day. Markets are actually driven by what's going to happen into the future. And I think you you said that so well. Um, So then my question would be, can you give an example of an event that may have taken place in the recent past, could be over the past few years, a major international event that hit us unexpectedly, that we did not predict, but actually affected us as South Africans. Because I'm thinking, for example, about the the war in Ukraine with Russia yes. and how our lives have carried on, but it's still continuing and it has a ripple effect Correct. on us. That's a very, very good example. But a, best, a better example is COVID. No mm. one was expecting this to come. And it absolutely whacked. We lost. We were where we still haven't recovered the jobs but our economy now is actually bigger than what it was pre-COVID. Our share market is significantly higher than what it was pre-COVID. And despite what we've seen in the last two or three weeks around Pala Pala, the RAND's actually stronger than what it was at the worst of COVID. So when COVID came along, it was an absolute catastrophe. But what happened was the market looked forward and said, this isn't going to last forever. And it fell initially, but then it actually recovered quite quite strongly. And it's actually in the last couple of years far recovered far more than what uh, than what at uh, the level it was before we went into COVID. So the Russian was a classic example. The Russian war with Ukraine wouldn't really affect us if Ukraine wasn't a big food exporter and Russia wasn't a big oil exporter. 
you know, we assume it's not going to escalate and mm. become a world war. But these are events that on the day really worry you. Now, what do you think about Europe now? I mean, they've been far more affected by the war because they can't get gas and oil from Russia anymore. And they're going to have an extremely cold winter and their cost of oil has gone up hundreds of percent. So, you know, if you are a domestic person in Europe or in the UK and you want to eat your house, it's going to cost you significantly more this winter than what it did last winter. So they are far more affected. But, you know, we've had the Vietnam War, we've had two Gulf Wars, we've had the the, the war in the Balkans, we've had many, many regional conflicts, the Korean War, maybe even a continued uh, uh, state between uh, 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 North Korea and South Korea, we've had many, many wars over the last 60 years. And ultimately, they haven't really affected economies. So even even a, a political event like a war, as long as it doesn't escalate into a world war, by and large, markets will only be affected by that in the shorter term. Take oil, for example. When the war started, oil shot up to $130. Now, now it's back below 80 because economics is actually driving what's happened to the oil price. And because interest rates have gone up across the whole world, we're actually heading for a bit of a slowdown next year in the world's economy. And the oil market is looking forward and saying, well, that's going to affect demand. So therefore, the price will go down. And I still think the oil price is going to go down some more. And the good news behind all of this is, is that next month we'll see an oil price cut if everything stays the same. Wayne, we need to take a quick break. Yo, and I already know we don't have enough time. I'm frustrated. 072-702-1702. We continue this masterclass when we come back. 702. Masterclass. Oh, Sorry, I'm just already upset in advance, Wayne, that we don't have time. I want us to quickly jump into some of the questions from the listeners. Judy Ditchfield says, Wayne McCurry, you're fantastic. Thank you so much for the explanations. Tembile says, this is so true. It's back to school for us. As investors, what should we do besides trusting our financial advisors? Look, it's always good to have a financial advisor, but don't abdicate your throne. You must always think about what you're doing. You must always evaluate the advice that your financial advisor gives you. And this is not a complex thing. There are, there are a few very basic rules to all of this. The biggest single, there's two big rules in investments. The first rule is don't put all your eggs in one basket. Mm. In other words, big word, diversify your portfolio, but it's so simple. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. Don't only buy one share. Don't only buy Bitcoin. Don't only buy property. Don't only take your money, all of your money overseas. Don't only buy one share. It's such an important rule. This, uh, it, you just don't ever put all your eggs in one basket because if that basket handle breaks and all your eggs are shattered, you are what was that? What was that massive company that just went broke recently? Yes, where Steinhoff. The, no, 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 not Steinhoff. The international, I think it was a tech oh, the, company. The, the, the FTX. The yes. Oh, I yes. mean, if people put Bitcoin, a lot of money. If you had all of your money in Bitcoin. It was fantastic. 
you know, going up to $66,000 per Bitcoin, but now it's down at $16,000, you've lost money. The second rule is if everyone you know is buying something, you must start thinking about selling it. So in other words, when there's hysteria up there and everyone's buying, don't jump on the bandwagon. Mm. In other words, don't buy Bitcoin at 66000 where all you hear is buy Bitcoin, buy Bitcoin, and you see ads on TV and you see the posters next to the highway. But maybe equally as important is when everyone else is panicking and selling because there's some disaster and the world's coming to an end and the state president's resigning or AIDS is going to destroy the economy or Y2K is going to wipe out our computer systems and everyone, when everyone is panicking and selling, you must actually think about buying. Because if everyone is doing it, you are probably at the end of that particular part of the cycle. Either the price is going up or the price is going down. So in other words, don't listen to investment advice and in the school, in the school parking yard or at the bra place when everyone else is either buying something or selling something. I mean, how many times we spoke about uh, uh, resilience earlier on? Uh, how many times has in South Africa been, you know, going to the wall? So the country is going to disappear. The mm. country is going to destroy itself. How many times have we been there and we're still here? So if you panicked when everyone else was panicking, be very cautious about that. Uh, you must actually, most of the time, you have a balanced portfolio with lots of shares and not all your eggs in one basket. And then when people panic, you mustn't panic yourself. Either panic in by buying something that just seems fantastic, like like a Bitcoin, or selling, like when the COVID crisis hit, you know, the share market fell dramatically. Everyone was selling because the world was coming to an end. Mm. In fact, that was the time to buy. So when people are panicking, either panicking Mm. in and buying things or panicking and selling things, that's the time you mustn't panic. So that's why sometimes being human in investments is our worst enemy because we are human and we do panic. We either panic because something has gone so wrong and the world's coming to an end, as I said, or we panic because somehow we're missing out. Someone else is making money and I'm not making money. And you start panicking in and you buy things, you know, right at the top. So, you know, control emotions in investments and don't put all your eggs in one basket. Very quickly, um, in 30 seconds, um, a question says, what is the advantage of using local currency over U.S. dollars? They don't specify if, if, if yes. it's in South Africa or when, when abroad. Yeah, look. South African investments can do just as well as overseas investments. Owning overseas assets or overseas currencies is part of having a balanced portfolio. In other words, not all your eggs in one basket. But countries like South Africa have had a tough 10 years. In fact, longer. We've had a tough 12 years. I think the next 12 years will be far better for countries like South Africa and emerging markets. In other words, from 2000 to 2008, Emerging markets beat all other markets. Countries, markets like South Africa beat all other markets, even in U.S. dollar, in U.S. dollars. Now, I think the next 10 years would, will be similar, but not as strong. In other words, I think now's the time where you should actually consider 
South African assets and Iran more so than overseas investments because I think that particular cycle is changing. The last 10 years, it's just been dollar and tech. Just own the US dollar, own technology shares. I think that's changed. Technology shares is a good example. Lots of people bought them at the top. You know, they're down 50, 60, 70% from the top. I actually think that the next 10 years, South Africa and other emerging markets will do a lot better relative to America and Europe than what has happened over the last 12 years. Wayne, we have run out of time, but I'm going to put you on the spot and say I hope you're available for a part two. So many questions.